Good morning, church. Good to see you. I am thankful to be here, and I want you to know how, how much of a blessing. Maybe you're not familiar with this. Maybe you do know, uh, but Danny Marsh has been here for like 40 years <laughs> and has led you in worship of Jesus all that time. And I sat over there in tears just thinking, man, I'm so thankful for Danny Marsh and for his leadership and, and the way he, yeah, maybe it's not 40, but I think it's more than 20 for sure. So I'm thankful for Danny and thankful for, for Stephen uh, for trusting me to stand behind this thing. This is awesome. And to share God's word with you this morning. Uh, and I know how comfortable those chairs can be. I remember uh, many early morning first services and how difficult it was to keep my eyes open. And so I'm going to do my best this morning to speak slowly, but straight and to the point. And so, uh, so I tend to use Mel Gibson's prayer from the Patriot, Lord, make me fast and accurate. And so, uh, so if you have a hard time keeping up, uh, if it's recorded, you can go back and slow it down to your speed. Uh, so, but I'm going to do my best. Some notes will be on the screen for you, and uh, we will work together. I uh, see in the house this morning already, I need to say jambo to some friends, and so I'm thankful. I work for you uh, at the Baptist Convention in New Mexico on the missions mobilization team. Uh, if you know anything, any kind of history about the Baptist Convention in New Mexico uh, and the 200 years or 500 or 600 years of Baptist New Mexicans here in New Mexico, uh, you know that uh, we have a great history of missions. Uh, really, Christianity began here because of missions, because of people being willing to go to a foreign land named New Mexico and to share the gospel. And so Danny's right. When we went back to Texas, we realized real quickly, the Lord has changed us. And Green Chili as well has changed us. And First West changed us. Twelve years ago, by the way, twelve years ago, uh, you ordained me as uh, a minister to the gospel. And so thank you for that. And I hope, uh, and I'm a fisherman, and sometimes I fish for amens. <laughs> you know what I'm saying, Gordon? Yeah. But I hope that um, if you were here uh, for that ordination service, and if you remember that at all, I hope that, uh, I hope that you, this is the fishing for compliment. This is all about my own pride, my own sin. But I hope that I've made you proud in some way. And I hope to continue to do that as I serve you across the state and across, across the world. So thank you for that. Thanks for investing in my family. My boys learned to walk here. And so uh, thanks for that. Man, you helped with that and potty train a couple of them. So we are thankful for that. <laughs> Amen for sure. Yeah, there you go. Hey, the missions mobilization team, uh, you know, disaster relief is a part of that. You have some volunteers here. Also, church planting is a part of that. Church replanting is a part of that. Hunger ministries, uh, international partnerships, all those things are a part of the missions mobilization team. And I want to give you some numbers because we are uh, at the root Baptist. And Baptists are all about numbers for some reason. All about food and all about numbers. New Mexico Baptist Disaster Relief this year has been a part of 32 salvations. They've fed while helping people in chaos and point them to Christ in the midst of chaos. They fed three, over 3,000 meals to people who were in the midst of chaos. So while they're eating and while they're being served, they're also being told the gospel. We have four new church plants in New Mexico this year. One of those already that started in August down in Las Cruces that you, because of your gifts to the cooperative program and maybe your gifts to the Mission New Mexico offering, already since August, eight baptisms. 
in Cuesta, New Mexico. We, you and I have been a part of a church plant there in Cuesta, New Mexico, who for years didn't have a gospel presence already. In fact, my son was there, was there, our oldest Reese, who you invested in as a child and taught him in Sunday school, was there this summer when a salvation occurred and a lady who had never heard the gospel before. And her response was, I hear these words and it's time for me to submit to the Lordship of Jesus. Amen to that for sure. Hunger Ministries, you help, you help support through the Mission New Mexico offering. You help support Hunger Ministries. 49,000 meals have been served. Hot meals have been served in New Mexico because New Mexico Baptists like yourself see a need to serve and give food to many. And because of that, 77 professions of faith have happened. Total, total fed, not just hot meals, but also groceries given this year. You've helped with 177,000 families in New Mexico. So thank you. And I hope that you continue to give to the cooperative program, also to the Mission New Mexico offering. And Isaiah's here, and we're on staff together, so he's going to keep me accountable to say the things that I'm supposed to say, like give to the Mission New Mexico offering, please. And I see some faces in the room this morning that if you were to see a video from the Mission New Mexico offering, you would see some, you would recognize some people in the video. Our theme this year is There's Still Room from the Luke chapter 14 parable about the great banquet. And I want to preach that to you this morning, but before we get there, if you want to mark your place at Luke chapter 14, before we get there, we have to get to where you are today. If Christ has purchased you with his blood and you have been saved and redeemed by him, what are you to do? And so Ephesians chapter 2 is kind of the, the foundation for your life. It's the gospel that you were dead in your trespasses and sins. You were dead, but Christ through the free gift of salvation, through his grace, through his great mercy, saved you and made you alive. Made you alive. And you're good at speaking already. I'm thankful for this because some churches in our state, they just quiet for some reason. So that first slide says this, made alive. And so if you'll repeat after me and just say that with me, made alive. See, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. But because Christ loves you and no longer wants you to be separated from him and no longer wants you to be slave to your sin, as we sing, provided salvation for you and praise God, made you alive. And so what do you do with that? Well, Paul continues in Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 to remind us that we weren't just made alive to sit. We weren't just made alive to stay. We were made alive to go and do something, to represent him because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his rich mercy, because of the forgiveness of our sin, he's made us to go. It says in verse 12 that he's set before us good works that we should walk in them. Now Hebrews 12 tells us that we as Christians, those who've been purchased by the blood of Jesus, we're to run the race with endurance. But I'm thankful that Paul tells us here in Ephesians that we can also just walk. Because I know for some of us, running sometimes isn't the thing, right? Like, we don't even run late anymore. We walk there. I think that's the Texas dad joke. But we've been made alive to walk in the good works that Jesus has set before us. And some of those good works I've told you about, the hunger ministry funds, 
the disaster relief, the church plants that are intentionally reaching out to those who aren't being reached, reaching out to the unchurched, the unreached. You're a part of that. International mission trips, partnerships, reaching out to the furthest places so the good news of Jesus that those who were dead in their trespasses can be made, a li- made alive. You are a part of that. That's the good work that we want to be a part of. So foundationally, foundationally, don't forget that you were dead and simply stated, now you have been made alive. Luke chapter 14, let's talk about a great banquet. I see some Wayland folks in here this morning, and I went to a great banquet once when I graduated from Wayland. And Amanda and I, this was before we had kids, BC, before kids, before children. Uh, We went to the banquet, and uh, my name was on the program. They asked me to pray over the meal. And so I'm so thankful for that. But Mandy and I didn't respond to the invitation. And so there was not a place for us at the table. There was no food for us because I didn't respond to the invitation. I just expected that my name's on the program. You're going to provide a meal for me. But we had to respond to the invitation to the great banquet. Let's look at this, Luke chapter 14. Jesus, this whole chapter, uh, you need to spend some time this week maybe reading through it. But to set the stage, a Pharisee, religious rock star, invited Jesus to a banquet. Invited him to a meal. Really to set him up, to question him. Who are you and what are you doing? And how come people like you more than they like me? Maybe you have some issues about that too. And so Jesus used this meal, he used this time together, this invitation, he used it to speak about eternity, to point people's attention to heavenly things. And oh, how we should be a part of this every day. Looking towards creation to remind us about heaven. Looking towards uh, circumstances even to remind us about eternity. Always setting our minds upon Christ and eternal things. And not just looking at earthly things. Anybody have issues with that? Anybody spend too much time on social media or the news or Twitter or whatever. We can get so bogged down in the things of today and how often we need to remind ourselves, look towards heaven, set our minds upon heavenly, eternal things. And so Jesus uses this time together, this invitation, this meal to set the minds and the eyes and the hearts and the souls of those in attendance, make them think about heavenly things. So he uses conversation. He uses bread. He uses the table. He uses chairs or seats or sofas. He uses this moment to point people to Jesus. And if you ever have a moment where you think, well, I can't share the gospel, look around you. Look for opportunities. As awkward as it may be, your clothes are dirty, but Jesus, like your laundry detergent, can make you clean. Look for those opportunities. They're called parables, an earthly story or an earthly teaching with a heavenly meaning. Verse 12, he said also to the man who had invited him, Jesus said to this man who had invited him, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. Jesus is getting their thoughts and attentions on who we're inviting to the meal. Don't just invite people who can afford to be there, but look to those who can't afford to be there. 
And I'm hoping already you're thinking about Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, what you're going to study by yourself this week. When it says, you are dead in your trespasses, and you can't boast in how you've been made alive in yourself, you can only boast in Jesus because he's the one who's paid for you. Jesus is saying, invite, don't invite those who can repay you, but when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. You are dead in your trespasses and you can't repay the payment that needs to be made for you. Peter says it pretty easy when he says that the way that we're repaid is, is through the precious blood of Jesus, not by gold or silver, not by our own merit, anything that we can do, but simply through the blood of Jesus. Jesus is talking about this invitation and who's invited to the banquet. And then he begins to continue on in verse 15. He says, when those who reclined at the table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But he said to the man who said that, a man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. You got the picture in your head? Wayland's offering a banquet. They sent out invitations. There was one guy who said, you know what? I don't have to respond. Surely, surely they know. I've been here for a couple of years. They know I'm going to be there. Jesus begins to set the stage. He says, listen to this. A man once gave a great banquet, invited many, and at the time for the banquet, he sent a servant to say to those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. A man, a master, a lord over a, a place who had servants. What's the heavenly teaching here that you're setting your minds upon eternity? Who's the master? Who are the servants? What do the servants do? We'll get more into that in a second. The servants go and they... Verse 18 tells us they all alike, when the servants went to go tell those who had been invited that it was time for the banquet, they all alike began to make excuses. They made excuses. The first one said, and notice how simple and almost lame these excuses are. They're everyday, normal excuses. They're not extravagant by any mean. They all began to make excuses. The first one said, I have bought a field and I must go I must go out and I must see it. Please have me excused. Normal, everyday life. I have a job. I have property. I have things to take care of. I can't be there. They received an invitation before. They should have put it on the calendar, but they failed to do so. And then when it was time for the banquet to happen, an excuse began to form. Do you have go-to excuses? Things that you use when Isaiah texts you and says, can you come and do this at the Baptist Convention? I'm talking about Isaiah Unlin over here. And you have the go-to excuse. You know, the excuses that uh, Gordon and I were outdoorsmen. And uh, you, you, there's never excuse about fishing. And someone sends a text or a call and says, let's go fishing. It's like, yeah, well, of course, let's go fishing. Someone says, let's go to Sunday school. And it's like, wait a minute here. I got some excuses. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I need to go and check on them. Please have me excused. A normal, everyday excuse. I've got three dogs and a cat. 
A ton of goats, chickens, kids. I got all these things. I need to take care of them. I've got excuses. And then another said, and Mandy and I have only been married a short time, and I know for certain not to spend much time on this excuse. I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. We won't talk about that one. Normal, everyday excuses. I'll just say this to the men. Don't use your wife as an excuse. Adam tried it. It didn't work. Okay, I'll say it again. Adam tried it in the Garden of Eden, and it didn't work. Okay. So don't use it today. Notice all these excuses. Notice all these normal, everyday excuses. I'm thankful the servants listened to, the, to their master, and they obeyed, and they went out, and they proclaimed, the banquet is ready, now come and eat. And many made excuses. And you, if you're a believer and you want to go share the gospel, many will make excuses. Many will make excuses. And your job is not to judge their excuse. Your job is not to say they are lame excuses. Your job is not to say that. Your job is to obey what the master told you to do. And go and proclaim that the table is set and the meal is ready. Your invitation has been given. Your payment has been paid. All you need to do is accept the invitation. Notice that on all these excuses, their response is the same. Please excuse me. What are they saying? Please pardon me. Please pardon me. Please pardon me. King Solomon, years before Jesus began to walk the earth, gives the Great Commission also. In Proverbs 24, Proverbs 24, verses 11 through 12, King Solomon, in his wisdom, says that we should be a part of those who are, you sang it as a hymn before probably, rescuing the perishing. Go out and rescue those who are being led to slaughter. Go out and do this. Go out and rescue those, is what verse 11 says. Verse 12 says, and for those of you, I'm paraphrasing here, and for those of you who want to make excuses and say, and this is the King Solomon's word, this is the word that my papa said I could never say, the phrase, those of you who say, but I didn't know, well, I didn't, I didn't know. Know this, that the Lord will weigh your heart. Can't he test your mind? Can't he know your heart? So there's no excuses. When these folks are saying, well, I didn't know, I, I want to be excused, they're asking for a pardon. They're asking for something greater. Give me a ticket out. I, I understand I understand there's a, there's a table set. I understand that there's a, a banquet. Please excuse, excuse me. Please pardon me from being there. Notice the heavenly teaching here. What Jesus is trying to get our minds to from eternity. Trying to get us thinking about an invitation has been placed. A table has been set. Stop making excuses. And stop trying and begging the servants for pardon and go directly to the master. Can you go for me? Can you be my mediator? Can you go for me and ask the, the master to pardon me from this banquet? Church, you know, who does the pardoning come from? Ephesians 2, 1 through 10 says, it's not from me, it's not from you. 
It's only from the Father. And how did the Father do it? He sent His Son to die on the cross, to shed His blood so that you may be pardoned from those trespasses and those sins that are killing you. Pardoned from death and raised to newness in life. Fishing. Another said, I've married... Verse 21, so the servant came and he reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house, the master of the house became angry and said to his servant, Jade, Aubrey, you ever went to Camp Dulos? Camp Dulos, right here. Said to his Dulos, to his Dulos, his bondservant, his servant. He said to his servant, go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and blind and lame. Go out to the mountains and shout it. You sang it just earlier. And tell them, all the poor, all the crippled, go tell them all that there's a banquet. Notice what Jesus is teaching here. That the Father's table has an invitation for Every one, that none should perish, that all should be saved. Notice the Father's, the Master's passion here, and notice the servant's response. Okay, sir, what you've commanded has been done, and still there's room. And you would think at that moment, the master would say, all right, servant, you're right. What do I know? You know what? Let's just sit down and let's just gorge ourselves on this. You know, we invited folks. They made excuses. They had oxen. They had land. Let's not be a part of that. Let's just let them, let's let them go and perish on their own. What if the master would have listened to the servant and just said, you know what? Right. There's still room. There's empty spaces. Let's just keep this to ourselves. But instead, we have a tremendously hospitable God, a welcoming God, a God who's willing to go the greatest distance to rescue those being led to slaughter. And still there's room. And so the master said to the servant, go out to the highways and hedges and compel people to come in that my house may be filled. Notice the father's, notice his heart's desire that his house may be filled, that his house might be full. For those of you who grew up in the same time I did, that he might have a full house. Remember, remember a funeral that you went to and the preacher preached John chapter 14? I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. That where I am, you may also be. Notice how this goes right into this great banquet parable. I'm preparing a place for you. That my house may be filled. The Father's desire is that His heavenly house might be full. Not empty but full. 
God is describing, Jesus is describing God's heavenly hospitality. In this great banquet parable, he's putting on display that the host was a heavenly, hospitable person. And that all those who were there, what defines them is humility. People who understand, they can't pay their way into heaven. They can't work their way to the Father's table. But it's been paid for them through the blood of Jesus. That they were dead in their trespasses and sins, but Jesus, being rich in mercy, saw them being led to slaughter and said, no, not them to be slaughtered, but me to be slaughtered for them and provide them free, grace-filled access to the Father's banquet table. What did the servants do? If you're Western or a little bit Western like me, they said, okay, old son, we're going to go. We're going to go because the master said go. We're going to go because we are his servants. And servants go. Servants obey. Maybe I should say it simply. Servants serve the master. That bond servant, that doulos word there, is one who will give himself for the will of another. And I'm sorry, I'm preaching. One who will give himself for the will of another. That the father's house might be full. When the servants hear the master's command and hear his heart, go out, compel those to the highways, to the hedges. Go as far as it, as far as it takes. We see that there's still room, so go. When the servants hear that, I'm, I'm assuming they looked around each other and said, you know him. And out of fear, but also out of love for him, let's go. That more might know him. Why do we plant new churches? Because Jesus is worthy. Because the church, the local church, is the hope of the world. There is no other hope in the world other than the hope that the church purchased by Jesus has. We met just a couple of weeks ago and I heard a church saying, we don't have anything to offer. And in tears, myself and another pastor says, but you have the good news. You have Jesus. That's all that people need. There's still room. And Jesus is teaching us here that servants go to the highways and to the hedges and they compel people. Why? Because they are compelled themselves. Paul tells us that we are ambassadors no longer living for ourselves, but compelled by the love of Christ. That no longer we serve ourselves, but we go and serve others. Servants obey. Servants go. Servants serve. Until the house is full. And if you're in any question right now about if you should go, or maybe even the thought of, yeah, but what? Maybe you're thinking through those excuses you know, my dog ate my gospel tract, whatever it is. And I didn't make that joke, my wife did. But that's a good one. I like that joke. There will be a day when you look around and you see the brokenness and the sorrow. When you see and you know without a doubt, you know without a doubt, this is not the way things are supposed to be. Church, there will be a day when men and women like Danny will lead us in worship of King Jesus around his throne with a great multitude 
from every tongue and every tribe and every nation. Turn to Revelation chapter 7. John shows us the basking in the mission work. Sitting around the banqueting table, let's say. You've had that, a great meal. Maybe it was just a Chick-fil-A, but still a great meal. Sitting around the table and just like, there's no better place. My grandma's table was this way. There's no better place. Thinking about my cousin, Lori Beth, as we were kids, who would say at the Thanksgiving table, Matt needs another roll. A little bit bitter towards that now, but the moment sitting around this great banqueting table and after this, verse 9 says this, after this I looked and behold a great multitude that not even Baptists could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, not stained with sin, but clean through the blood of Jesus, in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. How did those people get there? They got there through the blood of Jesus. And who told every tribe and tongue and nation? Servants of the Most High, who went out to the highways and to the hedges and proclaimed from the mountaintops with a loud voice, salvation belongs to the Lord and to the Lamb. Who told them? Those of you in this room who stopped making excuses, servants of the Master King Jesus, who say, old son, let's go. Jesus says, go and invite Let's go and invite. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In April of 2021, some of you met my dad. In April of 2021, my dad passed away. So just over a year ago. And I've made it my commitment as I'm serving you and 338 Baptist churches in New Mexico. And as I get to travel and speak at churches... I've made it my commitment to preach his last two points. My dad began battling alcoholism before he passed away and made some really significant choices in his life. He heard invitations to stop. He made excuses and continued. And those choices, those choices cost him many things. And my sister and I were begging, Dad, let us see you. Let us come see you. He was living by himself. Let us go. Let us see you. You can just imagine. You probably have stories very similar to this. And in April of uh, 2021, the Lord in his sovereignty and his grace and his mercy sobered him up, sent him to the hospital. And in the hospital room, uh, my sister and I hadn't seen him in, in months. In the hospital room as he's sobering up and recognizing that the choices that he was making were costing him really everything, including his life. We began talking through, Dad, what's next? And how did you even get to this point? My dad preached these two sermon points. He didn't know he was preaching a sermon, but he is. Dad, how did you get to this point? The lowest of the lowest. How did you get to this point? Two things. He said, son, I stopped fishing. Stopped fishing. Fishing was his therapy. Fishing was the place where he went and 
you know, kind of reconnected or had a, a refreshment, refreshing time with the Lord. He said, I stopped fishing and stopped depending upon God's spirit. Whoo, church, my call is Mark 1.17. Follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And I've traveled around this state broken many times, walking into buildings that are empty, buildings that were dedicated to the Lord, to the propagation of the gospel, to proclaiming the good news that Jesus is it, and the buildings are empty. And I can only think, church, how did you get here? Did you stop fishing? And did you stop depending upon God's spirit? If the master was to tell you today, go out to the highways and to the hedges, go to the furthest places in this earth and proclaim the good news, follow me and like your fishers of men, what would your excuse be? Or would you say, yes, sir, and get up and go fishing? And say, I know I can't do this on my own, so, so what, do I, what do I depend on? And I think Jesus would tell you in John chapter 14, that I'm going to send you someone who will be with you so that you're never alone. So that when you go fishing and when you go to the highways and the hedges, you are never alone. When you go and proclaim the good news of Jesus, you are never alone. God is with you. God has set the table. God has sent the invitations. God has paid the way. God has done it all. Why? So that his house may be filled. So that the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world, might be worshipped. The last slide says this. The, war, uh, the, the full house slide, yeah. Look at Revelation 7, 9. Salvation given, sins cleansed, sorrows moved, sustained lives, Savior glorified, and servants satisfied. You've been at that table before? When you're satisfied, your belly is full and say, what else is there? When we get to heaven, we're basking in the glory of Jesus. We will recognize what else is there. And the last slide says this, the world, it's the end. The world. Matthew 24, 14, if you're into end time study, Jesus said the end will come when what? When this gospel message is proclaimed to all nations, to the world. You want Jesus to come back? Then go out to the highways and to the hedges. You want Jesus to come back? Then go to the furthest places in the world. Or at least send some to go. That the gospel message of Jesus might be proclaimed. That we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but Jesus being rich in mercy paid the way that we might be made alive. Church this morning, don't stop fishing. Don't stop depending upon God's spirit. Until the nets are full, until the house of the Lord is full, continue to go. Let me pray for you.